I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm Joe Cunningham, and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the TV show is... Seb Patrick. So Seb, we have convened for a, a special bonus episode uh, before we get round to discussing Kingsman, The Secret Service, and... I think we both thought it was about damn time that we got to discussing The Flash. Yeah. we it, It's particularly ironic, maybe, that it has taken us so long, that we've been so slow off the marks in getting to discussing The Flash. <laughs> well, we, no, we, we, we've been like Barry before the accident. We've, we've been late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we have pretty much, since this show started airing two seasons ago, have both fallen in love with this thing, right? It's yeah. For me, it is, and there's yes, there's the Netflix stuff and and this, that, and the other. There is a lot of superhero and comic book TV around at the moment. But for me, if there's an episode of The Flash to watch, I'm going to watch that above maybe any other TV show. I just like I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, for me, in in part, that's because, and I, and I don't know how true it is for you as well, but um. In part, it's because it's the one that my wife also enjoys watching. Um, and also, I've, I've recently moved... Uh, we, we moved back in with my parents, and they watch several shows. They watch several shows that I don't watch uh, because um, they love Gotham. Um, and they don't watch Arrow, uh, but they also... Well, it's the two, actually, that are surprising, is that they watch Gotham and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're, they're, they're like <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.'s two remaining viewers. Um and they liked Legends of Tomorrow, but I think sort of they fell a bit behind on that, and they fell a bit behind on Supergirl the same way I did. So, so in this house though, there are four of us who enjoy watching the Flash, and we all watched the finale together just after I moved here. Hmm. Um, and yeah, similarly, Joe. I mean, we started watching Supergirl, and she thought that was fine. Um, she didn't like um, the start of Daredevil, and that was one of the reasons it took me a while to start getting through Daredevil. She felt the same about Jessica Jones. Ten minutes into Jessica Jones, she was bored off her ass. But Flash, you know, I mean, you know, she's not massively into superior things generally, but she, you know, she does like the Marvel films. But Flash, there was enough that she found enjoyable. Uh, she likes the characters apart from Iris. I mean, she hates Iris, <laughs> um, but it's just it's it's enjoyable. Um, you know, it's something we can always happily sit down and watch every week, and we want to know what happens. You know, which is a, again, that's quite a that's quite a Joe way of judging something is. Um, <laughs> she'll carry on watching something if she wants to know what happens next and in the flash she always wants to know what happens next yeah. um and for me it's just you know it's um it's just got about it a lot of what i tend to like about superhero stuff it's got a lead character who isn't perfect but who 
is someone who wants to be a hero and do right. It's got a good supporting cast around him, by which I mean the characters are good and also the you know the actors generally are are good at what they do. Um, it's got a nice, hopeful, upbeat sense about it generally. Um, it's it's a bit daft in places. <laughs> uh, it's a bit funny in places. Um, and as I've mentioned on a previous episode, you know there are there are certain things within superhero comics, so kind of tropes within superhero storytelling that I particularly like and that will make me like a particular superhero thing ahead of others. And one of them is alternate universes. And you know, the Flash is the show that has brought the concept of alternate universes to this entire DC TV world. Um, so it's got that in its favour as well because I always like when shows do that and it's nicely appropriate that it's the one to do it because it was Flash Comics that created alternate universes in DC Comics in the first place 60 odd years ago so um, it's, it is appropriate that it was Flash that would go ahead and do it um, yeah yeah I probably should flag up spoilers from the start, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, for both for both seasons of The Flash. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, for me, this is a show that I can sit down and watch with my fiance. She wants a um, Flash T-shirt, but we have to specifically find one that people aren't going to confuse her for a Big Bang Theory fan because yeah. that that is important. Um, there is yeah, a great one called Central City Running Club that I've got one of, but it's a bit too small for me at the moment because I'm too fat. But that that's a good design. You should look it up. I've seen several people with it actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. So 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 we're able to watch it together, and I think for me, I have watched basically all of Supergirl, just pending watching the season finale this weekend because it just aired in the UK. Um, I've watched three and a bit seasons of Arrow. Um, I've watched um, a little bit of Legends of Tomorrow and then, you know, all of the other shows that we've discussed on this podcast, Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Gotham. I've watched bits and bats of everything. And for me, this is kind of, this is the show that just hits the sweet spot in that it has the spectacle of being a superhero show. They are able to do the kind of stuff that you want to see from The Flash on a TV budget and it doesn't feel cheap, it doesn't feel restricted, it feels like it can tell the stories it wants to tell. It has the perfect kind of protagonist. I mean, Seb, I know back in the early days of this podcast, you were saying how, um, you know, it was when we were saying, who's going to play Spider-Man in the MCU? Well, wouldn't it be great (laughs) if it was Grant Gustin? Because he has that kind of sense about him. This Barry Allen feels Peter Parker-ish and... You know, me and you love Peter Parker as a character. So mm. for me, Barry Allen works great. And then the supporting cast. I mean, you were just saying how um, Joe doesn't like Iris and hates Iris. I mean, she should watch Arrow because Laurel, for me, was <laughs> unbearable. And she, for me, was, at least in the early seasons, less so in the late seasons, but kind of the equivalent on that show of the kind of the love interest who was the love interest because she is in the comics and yeah. not necessarily based on any chemistry on the show. I think Iris has got a lot better in season two. I think well, they yeah, figured out I how to use her a lot yeah. better. And the whole kind of family dynamic that the show mm-hmm. has, that it has the has the family dynamic of kind of the friends of the people of the group that kind of bond together at Star Labs and there's kind of a little bit of a rolling in and out of different characters there but also the fact that yes what drives Barry it kind of at the core of his character is losing his mother which we see like in the very first scene at the start of the pilot episode is the flashback to his mother dying 
and the the counterbalance to that is that he has like three or four different father figures in his life that he has mm. Joe who raised him and is constantly there you know having these little little moments every two or three episodes that are going to make you well up a little bit when he says something inspirational to Barry um that you've got his actual dad in prison you've got Harrison Wells in mm. his various guises and even when he is an evil villain pretending to be a father figure he still is inspirational he still is kind of you buy that relationship because his motivations actually are noble in the in at least in the respect that he wants Barry to run faster and mm. then you've even got characters rolling in like um Victor Garber Martin Stein um who kind of fill that role as well and that's the, that's the stuff that makes this show great because all of the relationships work. You buy so wholeheartedly into the emotions of your central character and the relationships that he has with the people around him that even if it's a naff rogue of the week, you're still going to get your laughs from Cisco and you're still going to get your emotional moments from Joe and you're still going to get your super heroics from Barry. It almost doesn't matter what the kind of story of the week is. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, the, the story of the week often tends to be the weakest element of the show. And it's it's kind of like it's the, you know, the the battle with a with a random meta uh, where where Barry gets um, coached by the team to run slightly faster in order to defeat them. Yeah, um, it almost feels like, you know, that is what the show feels an obligation to get through that week in order to bring you what you actually want from the show, which is a combination of, uh, you know, the kind of the longer term story arc, because it, because it's not the kind of show that can just only focus on its story arc throughout the entire season. It, you know, it does have to have weekly self-contained episodes, and the character dynamic stuff, and, the, and particularly the character dynamic stuff, is, is what keeps coming back. I, I enjoyed the second season plotline, um, the, the the Zoom and Jay and Earth Two stuff. I know that some people didn't, but I think even if you don't necessarily get on with the arc, and you don't necessarily get—I mean, this feels like an odd thing to say about a show—but it's like even if you don't get on with the plot, either in its long form or short form. Um, what keeps you coming back are the characters and those character dynamics and it's like you know I'd be tempted to say or you know a particular character oh they're the standout thing about the show but actually you could say it about almost any of them I mean the the obvious one for me is is Harrison Wells um, Tom Kavanagh and I think we'll I'll talk about him in a bit more detail later on you know he is the best thing about the show for me but you can't just say that the show is good because of him because Cisco is great and um uh, Caitlin is great, and obviously Grant Gustin is fantastic as Barry. And 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 when you were talking about the father figures, and you mentioned Joe, and I think Joe is in danger of getting overshadowed by the rest of the show. And I think what Jesse Martin does in that show is really underrated. Like not not that anyone says that he's not any good, but I think it's very easy to kind of ignore Joe's role in the show because it's just something that's very easy to take for granted. And what he does with the, that character and the emotional stuff that he does with Grant Gustin and and you know, he has such good chemistry with Grant Gustin as this father figure too. Much more so than much as I love the guy, much more so than John Wesley Ship does. Although even <laughs> there there are moments that are that are nice between the two of them, but uh, as much as I like him there are moments where John Wesley Ship feels clunky to me in the show I'm glad yes, he's in agree. it and I don't want them to take him out of it but you can also see why they slightly limit his screen time sometimes yes. <laughs> um, whereas I, I always feel confident that any moment even if it's going to be a slightly cheesy moment any moment that they give Joe and Barry in terms of Joe having to 
to be that kind of emotional anchor for him always works and is always really well sold. But you don't it doesn't necessarily come to mind as the best stuff in the show because it's not the fun stuff in the show. And the fun stuff in the show usually revolves around Tom Kavanagh. Um, you know, and, and like the multiple roles that he's already played on that show by being, <laughs> you know, initially scientist guy Harrison Wells, which was, you know, decent enough and interesting character, then being the out and out villain. And then in season two, and you do kind of wonder what are they going to do with season two? How are they going to play it? And, you know, the, the constantly it's ambiguous the role. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you not being sure to start with in season two, whether he was going to be a goodie or a baddie. And the fact that the answer turns out to be, no, he is a goodie, but he's also a dick. Yes. Just works so perfectly. Um, you know, his yeah. sparky relationship with Cisco. And then, you know, it meant that you had this, and I, you know, I'm jumping right to the end of season two here, but it meant that you had this great, um, like, it, the, the way that Wells felt about all of the characters and the way that they felt about him right at the end of the season felt completely earned. You know, you had watched them, you know, that cold exterior being chipped away yeah, at yeah, and absolutely. him actually coming to care about them and the little thing of him. Doesn't he actually, he calls Cisco Cisco right yes, at the very end yeah. of the season and it's just rather It's than a great moment. And, but yeah, you've got, you got um, all that through the first season as well. And I agree. I mean, Tom Kavanagh's performance is fantastic. Um, we've just gone back and started re-watching the first season. That is how much I love this show. And the first time that he says, run, Barry, run. And <laughs> like, it's spine tingling. It's great. It's, it's become so iconic. And you have the inverse of what you just said running through the first season, which is kind of really loving this character. And despite the fact from... There are, there are tags at the end of the first two episodes. The first episode, the tag is he stands up and walks. You see that mm. he's probably from the future and <laughs> that there is something evil about him. The second episode, he literally kills a dude. And yeah. and you're like, but you're still you kind still of... Want him and I remember doing kind yeah. of like uh, mental gymnastics trying to figure out how he <laughs> was actually good. That maybe he wasn't purely evil and maybe and it like, was a greater good kind of thing i mean yeah. it did turn out that everything that he was doing was to help barry get faster it's just that his reasons for yes. wanting barry to get faster were evil but and that works fantastically yeah, you, you, you as a slow the, build villain throughout the season yeah. because that that for me was the problem with zoom was that at, the, at the moment that zoom was out and out zoom hey i'm the villain then given that he's a serial killer and he can go around killing people at any point, the kind of the stakes felt too big and it felt Mm. a little bit like, well, how do you go off and fight random rogue of the week when zoom is out there and at the height of his powers? Whereas reverse flash was there and he was always a threat and he was, and because especially because of that fantastic two part episode in the middle of season one, where you flash back in time, where the flash goes back in time to reverse events not even knowing himself that um harrison wells has just killed cisco and that that the way you have that episode that uh, actually felt like a season finale in the middle of the season was just phenomenal and then and then you kind of know what a threat he is but he is still kind of in the background and then that leads me on to one of the other things that i think is great about the show is that it never slows down Plotting wise, like I said, the, to reveal at the end of the first episode that Harrison Wells is, you know, probably the reverse Flash in the future, and like in that episode that I just talked about, so Barry goes back in time, kind of Cisco isn't killed, and 
it's kind of all slowed back down that you've got now seven, eight episodes before the season ends and you can kind of slow build towards the revelation that Harrison Wells is in fact Earbad Vaughn and the reverse Flash. But the show doesn't do that. Within like an episode, Barry knows that Harrison Wells is not telling the truth, starts investigating him and the show doesn't make you wait for things. It doesn't it's, bed yeah, something. It, it just... It's like it's it, like does it. it's like an excitable child. Like it's just like it's like the show's got all of this se- these secrets and it's bursting to tell you. And it's like yes. it, it it can't contain them all. So it's just like oh, do you know what? Yeah, you are you are going to find out. Like I can't remember how early it is in season two, but it's not that it's not that late that you find out that um you know that Jay isn't Jay. Yeah. Um. You know they 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 will just happily chuck all of this stuff in early on because actually what you think is the big revelation turns out not to be the big revelation. Yeah. Uh. You know it's like there's more to follow kind of thing. Um. You know with with season two I was surprised that they left it as long until the very last episode to reveal who the man in the mask was. Although even then they had pretty again it, it's like they couldn't keep it to themselves. They had basically already told you that it was Jay, that it was the real Jay. And, you know, okay, so the specifics might have been a secret. But even then, I, you know, I had been saying, and I wasn't the only one for weeks, oh, John Wesley Ship is going to be the real Jay. That's how it's, that's how they're going to play it. And sure mm. enough, that's exactly what happened. But again, still, I, I again, honest, but... when I'm watching this show, I am always doing those mental gymnastics to try and think, well, could it be Earth 2 Eddie? Why haven't we seen Earth 2 Eddie yet? And maybe Earth 2 mm. Eddie is more like his, you know, his future ancestor or whatever that is. I was, I was surprised that there was literally no... Oh, no, hang on. Did Eddie make a brief appearance no, in season I don't, two? Was I he literally think... not in it at all? Oh, maybe, was... he did, maybe he did. I can't remember. I'm trying to remember if there was actually... No, but there was, was he... because there was the birthday message. Oh, yes, there was. So when he was on Earth, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't on Earth 2. It was when he went back in time, wasn't was it? Was that back in time? Maybe well, Maybe we didn't then. I don't know. But that is this no, show, isn't was, it, Was Seb? the birthday it's... message this season? No, he was. He he was, He did guess. I'm just looking it up on Wikipedia, actually. He did guess. But I was just wondering if there was a reason why he um No, that, was, that was when he went back in time in this season. And he yeah. went back into the time of a season one episode, which yes, was fantastic right. as well. But that not that yeah. what's great about the show? That it just... It, it does all of these different things and it just throws them at you. And I think particularly just goes, these are things from the comic that we think are cool. We're going to do them. Hey, Gorilla Grodd. No other show is going to do Gorilla Grodd. We're going to do, we're going to do a character like that. We're going to do Killer Shark because it's funny. And because we think we can, you know, we think we can do an episode around it. And most of the time they've been right because they've kind of set the tone very early on for, what as an audience member you can expect and i think it you you're constantly on your toes because of it it's it manages to strike a balance and it's it is a difficult thing to do and it's something that i think again i i would see it as a characteristic of the superhero stuff that i like the most um superhero storytelling generally often has a problem with um the level to which it should take itself seriously. Mm. Um, And it's very easy to either take yourself far too seriously or not take yourself seriously enough and and be ridiculous without kind of any redeeming features. Mm. And The Flash, like many of my favourite comics, um, takes the conceit seriously. Like, you know, it's not a parody. 
um, you know, the, the stories are serious and, and you know, the, the, the stories have weight and the characters have weight and you yeah. care about them. But within that, it it doesn't take itself too seriously. You know, it, it acknowledges that, that at its core it's a little bit silly and it has fun with that, but it, it does it along with you rather than just, you know, relentlessly poking fun at the idea of superheroes. Um you know, it, it will just acknowledge, yeah, this is all a little bit ludicrous. And it will do that, whether it will do that by, you know, bringing in some of the sillier anthropomorphic characters <laughs> or whether it will do it by um, winding up Wentworth Miller and letting him go. You know, yeah. it's or just... Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark Hamill. I mean, you know, yeah, Mark Hamill obviously, yeah, resuming a role from the previous <laughs> show and just doing his Mark Hamill thing. But, yeah, I, I think nothing gets the tone of The Flash across better than the way that Wentworth Miller plays Captain Cold yes. in it. Because it's just... Yeah, Hammy it's, doesn't it's do ridiculous. it justice, does it? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic. Um, it, but it's not actually, Batman 66 levels of, you know... It's, he, he, you know, he is still... The character is still there. The character is still a threat. He's just... It's and they can do an episode it, like they know? did in the second season with his dad, where you mm. are feeling kind of... You're... you're exploring that character who is being played in that way by Wentworth Miller, but you are investing in the exploration of that that character mm. and, you know, how maybe he's hurting inside. And it's... I still can't believe it, as well that they works. cast Michael Ironside as, uh, yeah. as dad. That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. It actually reminds me as well, Wentworth Miller wrote a film called Stoker a few years ago, which has that kind of... it's it's ridiculously over the top in terms of what he's written. It's, it's absurd. And some of the scenes you, you're either going to go just, Oh, that is, that is ridiculous. What am I watching? Or you're going to go, Oh, I'm so on board with this. And for me, I was so on board with it. Um, it's directed by Park Chan Wook as well, which helps. Um, Mm. but yeah. Um, so basically all of the thumbs up for Wentworth Miller. Um, (laughs) in relation to the rogues though, Seb, I mean, I wrote down a list of, um, some of the rogues that showed up in season one. Um, so I'll just run through them quickly. We got Weather Wizard, Multiplex, Mist, Captain Cold, General Eiling, Gerda, Blackout, Rainbow Rider, Reverse Flash, Heatwave, Pied Piper, Peekaboo, Firestorm, kind of a villain at some point, um, Grodd, Trickster, and Bug-Eyed Bandit. Um, first of all, we haven't talked about Cisco very much yet. Um, that conceit of Cisco naming the villains is amazing. Yes, that's great. <laughs> I don't know whether it's happened on things before because superhero shows, I mean, like even the movies, it feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it'll tell you that Jeremy Renner's playing Hawkeye, but they'll just call him Clint all the way through. Mm. Like it's very rare that people actually refer to them by their names. And sometimes it is a little bit ridiculous. Like, even, I mean, The Flash did this, Arrow did this. We can't call them their superhero name to begin with. We have to call them The Streak or The Blur. That was, that's what, that's one of, I think, the major missteps that the, the, the show has made, actually. Well, Arrow did it for three seasons, calling him, <laughs> what did it, they called him The Hood and then just The Arrow. Just and the now arrow finally, and finally he is The Green Arrow. But um, that was really nicely undercut on the episode. I don't know if you've seen it yet, the episode where Barry turns up on Supergirl. No, I haven't seen but that which yet, actually. is um, delightful seeing Supergirl and The Flash together. Also, Wynn on Supergirl, who is, um, I would say, kind of like a poor man Cisco. Poor man Cisco. Sud- yeah. Suddenly <laughs> turns into Cisco for a five-minute scene where he just is 
really popping because Barry is there. But there's a great scene where Barry walks into Cat Grant's office and she's like, oh, what, what are we going to call this new superhero? Maybe going to call him the Blur. And um, <laughs> Barry's like, oh, I don't know. I think the Flash is cool. And she's like... <laughs> No, don't tell me what's cool. We've got the flash. She basically is basically an extended joke about how long it took them to call yeah. the flash the flash in the first <laughs> season. But yeah, at least it wasn't arrow levels. Um, yeah. But so aside from Cisco naming the rogues, which as I said works fantastically for me, these are you know, this show suffers in the same way that Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl does in that. They're picking kind of random villains from the Rose Gallery of those characters from years of comic books. And for me, it almost doesn't matter who they pick because Captain Cold is a guy with a cold gun. The reason Captain Cold works is because Wentworth Miller. I remember General Eiling because it was Clancy Brown. And um, like I just think almost always in the show, the strength of the Rogue is how fun the performance is of the person coming in. And if it's a generic, pretty kind of CW actor, mm. I mostly don't care. There's been a couple of occasions, like I was actually thinking Pied Piper, who was the guy who showed back up on that time I didn't even realise that he was Piper <laughs> really? until recently, and then of course he is, and that's why they've already pushed him towards being a good guy, because in the comics... Pied Piper was a kind of classic Flash villain. Yeah. And then during the Wally West era of comics, he had reformed and became really close friends with Wally. And is also one of the earliest openly gay uh, superhero characters, if you count him as a superhero by virtue of the fact that he sort of became a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so I, and I didn't even realise that... that uh, what's his... his Hartley, is it? Hartley, um, yes. I didn't even realise that he was meant to be the Piper, and then until I realised that Hartley was the name of of the, of the Piper's <laughs> alter ego. Um, but I, I quite liked him relative to most of the other villains that we see. Yeah, he stands up. out definitely, yeah. and it, but uh, it, in a way that it, this show it, it can sometimes you're like, okay, that's that guy who's he's got that power and he's doing that thing, and I have the same problem on Supergirl and Arrow as well. But like I say, occasionally they'll cast a Wentworth Miller and you'll go, mm. oh, this is fun. This is really fun. I mean, nothing sums that up point, sums that point up in terms of, you know, the Flash being able to make the best of its source material in terms of who it puts in there. Um, nothing sums that up better than, than Cisco himself because it's, you know, uh, before he got his vibe powers... Um, it was not necessarily apparent, unless you knew the character's alter ego, that he was a character called Vibe from mm. the 1980s, who, who is a joke in comics. I mean, he was created in the early 80s as part of a short-lived and massively unpopular version of the Justice League, the, the Detroit Justice League. Right. Um, he was a, a shockingly ill-conceived attempt to create a young ethnic minority character who would appeal to kind of teenage... He was supposed to be a kind of cool, hip teenage character, and he just really... He was just awful. I mean, I don't know if you've looked up, like, his costume design. Um, Give it a Google when you have a minute. It's it's just horrendous. It's just a horrendously embarrassing character. Um, Now, admittedly, in The Flash, what they did was, you know, they stripped every single element beyond the character name put him in there as cisco you know the kind of character who is you know essentially that character is this is you guys yes you know, that, that's what that character He's is literally and then they gave him said. the powers yeah he yeah he, he he owns at least one t-shirt that i own and possibly more <laughs> um and yeah you know 
so putting him in as the character that you identify with oh yeah by the way he's vibe all of a sudden um works really well and what it shows and what i think is really nice and what the flash does a lot is you know superhero source material can often be um embarrassing and and a bit rubbish but if you make a bad film or tv show out of whatever the source material is it's not usually the source material's fault and i know marvel did this as well that's you know that's that's been the ethos of the marvel films you know guardians of the galaxy admittedly was based on a a comics run that had been quite good but was still putting together characters that were mostly footnotes and jokes Mm. and it turned it into something great and the flash has done that with several of its characters as well and i I think Uh, i'm not sure it managed it with firestorm firestorm's rubbish in the comics and rubbish on the show yeah a little bit um i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I think the show also handles it a little bit... um, A little bit better and a little bit more delicately in the way that it throws all these people with powers together um a lot of shows suffer from this arrow suffers from this and that just like everyone's a bloody superhero like everyone's got something by the time that you're four or five seasons in to the point that diggle who is a character that they came up with originally for the show they like they can't give him superpowers i think they wanted to make him john stewart but they couldn't <laughs> and so they just gave him a helmet so at least he had a costume but you've got like speedy and um and black canary and um just and the atom and and, and just like everyone that they know is a superhero it's kind of what happened to buffy in the last couple of, you know like by the time that mm. you know xander's pretty much the only person standing around there who's not doing something like uh mystical And it happens to a lot of shows, but what Flash has, I think, is a nice balance of having those characters with with powers, some kind of roll in and roll out. You know, you had Harrison Wells who had a power, but now he's back and he doesn't. Caitlin is a character from the comics um, who we saw her in her Color Frost guise this year, but they subverted it in a nice way by doing the Earth 2 stuff and kept the main character just a person and like Cisco is vibe but for 95% of the show until it becomes convenient for the plot to use it it doesn't really matter he is just mm. that character who as soon as he opens your mouth ma- his mouth you know you're going to do a little grin because he's going to say something funny that you're on board with like it, 
Mm. He's he's a delight every time he shows up. Um, but I did want to ask, actually, Seb, because this sh- obviously I haven't read much Flash, um, and I-, I wanted to know how much how much of the like of the core cast of this show are actually kind of a big deal in the comics. How many of these characters are actually a part of the Flash's like setup? It's interesting because I mean. I've, I- I will preface this by saying I've I've never been the biggest Flash fan. It's one of those where I've always kind of enjoyed the concept and the character turning up in other things than I have Flash's own comics. And I haven't read very many Barry Allen comics at all, but there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that Barry was killed in Crisis on Infinite Earths and I started reading comics in the late 1980s. So as far as I'm concerned, Barry has always been this character who was the previous version of The Flash, who died to save the universe, and and that's kind of what was important about him. And Mm. certainly one of the earliest comics I remember reading was a great... Uh, Secret Origins annual that was a retelling um, like from his perspective of the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths and it's just got the most fantastic conceit which is that um, basically the way that Barry I'm going off on a tangent I know but it's (laughs) (laughs) um, the way that Barry dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths is he stops a reality altering cannon from being fired by running faster than light so because he has to catch the tachyon that's going to power the machine and so for the first time in his life he breaks the light barrier in order to do so and in Crisis on Infinite Earths, all that you see happen is he, he he runs really fast and he destroys the machine and he stops it and he dies. But then in this annual expands on that and basically says that at the moment that he travelled faster than light, he travels back in time and becomes the lightning bolt that gives him his powers when he has the accident. <laughs> so at the moment that Barry died, he goes back in a loop and he basically lives his life in a perpetual loop. And it was a brilliant story. And that was kind of my main takeaway from Barry. So when I was kind of growing up, reading comics wally west was the flash and what the wally comics tend to tend to center on is dealing with being the flash in the aftermath of this kind of legacy that's come before you you know having been kid flash and becoming the flash Mm. and wally kind of has his ups and downs as a character and particularly in the early part of his solo run he's kind of a dick actually and that's that's kind of the premise of the series is that he's sort of trying to become a superhero but in a very different way from from people before um so I, that, that what what I mean by saying that is that you know I I don't have a huge familiarity with Barry Allen and his supporting cast and his set of characters and then it was about five five six years ago no longer than that probably nearly ten years ago that he got brought back in Flash Rebirth because Jeff Johns grew up reading Barry Allen Flash comics so when he had the chance he he brought Barry back instead um, so you know I I don't really know how true the show is to the actual original Barry Allen Flash comics, although I I would suspect not very much. Um, What this show actually does really well, and and I think better than most DC-based shows and even movies have done, is it feels like something that belongs in the DC universe. So it's not so much that it's a great Flash show for me. Um, You know, um, it's, it's more that it's a great DC Universe show. So a lot of the characters that they've brought in, like I'll recognise names of characters, but it's not usually because they're a Flash character, it's because they're a DC character. With the Mm. villains, they have most often tended to be 
like notable Flash villains, you know, when it's people like Weather Wizard and Captain. Flash is famous for kind of having his rogues gallery, you know, of a, a particular group of characters called the Rogues, who who have even had comics about them, you know, as a group, um, because they, you know, they in later comics they tended to try and make them a bit more morally ambiguous. Um, I'm surprised they still haven't done the Mirror Master yet. Um, I don't know if you got in your Animal Man read if you got as far as the issue where Grant Morrison brought in a new Scottish Mirror Master. No, um, Mirror Master is a is a classic again silver age flash villain he's from the same era as um captain cold and the weather wizard and uh rainbow whatever his name is and all of that lot um but for some reason they haven't done him in the show yet but if they do i hope they do the foul mouthed scottish version that grant morrison created in animal man because <laughs> he's hilarious um but other than that you know like when you get a character name that you know is going to turn out to be superpowered. It's usually that I recognise them from the wider DC universe rather than, yeah. than from Flash. Arrow, Arrow seems to have that with like quite a lot of Batman characters showing up. Mm. I mean, Ra's al Ghul being I, I, being a major villain, and is Deathstroke Batman to begin with? Uh, Deadshot, no, oh, Death, Death, Deathstroke Deathshot. is. Um, Deadshot is Batman. Deathstroke yeah. is from Teen Titans. Right, um, but it does seem like they they are kind of borrowing from the wider, you know, from the, yeah, the wider definitely. DC universe. Yeah. And Arrow did a little bit of Suicide Squad at one point, and mm. um, that is nice. What you said about Mirror Master, um, I am desperately hoping they cast Peter Mullen um, from the very little you told me about him. Foul mouthed and Scottish, yes, please. Um, <laughs> what I want to know, though, Seb, is he by day just your ordinary forensic scientist? Which might be my favourite <laughs> introduction to any TV show ever. It makes me giggle every time I've heard it. I was like, there is no one who by day is just an ordinary forensic scientist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And just going back to right at the beginning, Seb, because I came into this show when I first watched it, having seen the episodes that Barry Allen had showed up on on Arrow, and, you know, for I quite like him. He's got really good chemistry with um, Felicity on Arrow, and I guess I'll give this Flash TV show a go. It seemed like people were quite excited about the idea, Um but that that was about it. But you you must have had more association with the Flash from whatever of the comics, and also I'd imagine from the John Wesley Ship show. Yeah, which I mean, I'm not sure how much I could tell you about it in terms of remembering it, but I do remember like basically. I mean, we would be talking like early 90s, not necessarily when it was on TV, but I remember renting a video that had... Because they, didn't they do a pilot that was kind of basically a TV movie? And I, I'm sure there was a VHS that had the TV movie and then there was a VHS that had maybe like two or three episodes. Right. So I remember, you know, that's one of the earliest, like post Christopher Reeve Superman and first Tim Burton Batman that would probably have maybe have been like the third or fourth live action superhero thing I would have watched so even though I wasn't massively into the flash I remember renting that video and watching it with my dad and um so that's why you know I've I've always had this association of John Wesley Shipp as being the flash and being a superhero so when he showed up in like Dawson's Creek it was always oh that's the flash as <laughs> Dawson's dad whereas when he shows up in the flash here everyone else is like oh that's Dawson's dad um <laughs> You know, and I, I remember that as being certainly it was quite different. You know, it didn't have the sort of the budget to do the the you know fighting all the metahumans that this show has. I think generally, if I recall, he basically just used his speed to to stop like bank robbers and stuff most of the time. Um, but I do remember it at least having a similar thing of 
being a, a quite earnest take and you know it didn't maybe didn't quite have the kind of lightness of touch that this show does but it did have you know it it was a pretty kind of honest and and good-natured superhero show from what i remember of it um so that so that kind of i think certainly when they put john and wesley ship in this it, it positively colored i think my my perceptions of this i think what it made me think and it was something that i kind of thought all along was if you're going to do a superhero tv show and you're going to pick a character flash is very well suited he's well suited to even though we've had problems with it he's well suited to um you know threat of the week type stories um he's got a power set that's got a good visual look that you can do on screen but also if you're on a tight budget you can just show whizzy red lines and, yeah. and that'll do the job you know you're not gonna worry about him flying and stuff um yeah it's just you know it it did strike me as a bit of a no-brainer as if you were going to do a, a dc comics tv show you know you weren't going to do green lantern um you know flash seemed a really good fit for this more so than 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 for a movie i think um so yeah despite not having read and enjoyed a load of comics with barry allen specifically and like i say you know i've I've read a decent amount of of the wally stuff um it was something i was i was looking forward to to start with i did have pretty good expectations about this um yeah and then you know even though i don't think they got the costume right to start with i still don't think the costume's great but at least they got the logo right for the second season it's it's, Um, uh it's slowly progressing we still haven't even reached the version that he's wearing in that um in the room where his mother died that's still a future (laughs) version of the costume that we haven't seen him wearing yet so i loved the um there's an image going around that's uh, an exclusive screen grab from season 36 of the flash and it's just that room with about 40 different iterations of the flash <laughs> superimposed onto it <laughs> uh, I, I i i mean i love that about this show i loved the season one finale for me was a kind of a pinnacle of all of the stuff that the show does well it had this it had the crazy time travel stuff at the center of it. It had him running down a portal and seeing different um, different possibilities and timelines and Earths and Jay Garrick's helmet flying out of it. And you had him kind of having this antagonistic relationship with Reverse Flash, but kind of doing what he wanted him to do. And then going back in time, walking into a room ostensibly to save his mum but not doing it because there's another future version of him in the room telling him not to and then coming back and say it's just i mean that's the stuff for me where this show just completely coalesces and everything works and it happens it happens fairly frequently i would say two or three times a season you know Mm. this year we got the earth two two two-parter which was i mean that that two-parter is just just so good so much fun. i wish they'd spent more of the series on maybe for budget reasons because they'd come up with this ridiculous design for it they couldn't but i just i loved that i, I really think I, I said this on a previous episode when when we took when we touched on it briefly but it just showed what a good job they've done with those characters that that they could do alternate versions of them and, and you would care you know um, yeah, yeah and it would absolutely. pay off so much stuff you know yeah and Seb, I talked about how, you know, the character was introduced in Arrow. Um, and actually, it was very frustrating for me. I interviewed Stephen Amell about a week before they announced The Flash was coming up, was going to be introduced on the show. It was, hmm. I think, between season one and season two of Arrow. 
And I asked Stephen Amell, I was like, oh, do you think you're going to introduce any more, like, DC characters? And he kind of, now looking back, he was looking at me with a smirk <laughs> on his face, like, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched those episodes where Barry showed up on I didn't, Arrow. actually, no. no. But what, how have you found the crossovers to have worked so far? Because obviously... He's crossed over with Arrow and at least teed up Legends of Tomorrow stuff in Flash. And we know next season we are going to get a mega four-part. I think it's going to be four nights in a row. It's going to be Supergirl and then The Flash and then Arrow and then Legends of Tomorrow, maybe. But four nights in a row we're going to get this crossover happening. I wonder how you feel that that kind of stuff has worked. Because I think between the two shows we've maybe had three big crossover episodes so far, maybe um, four between Flash and Arrow. I think. I mean, I I don't watch Arrow. I of the crossovers. I believe I'm trying to remember, but I think the one. Uh, what was the crossover this series? Well, so I'll go through them. I can definitely remember the two parts of where they kind of first met and were antagonistic, and they were gonna f- and they had mm. a fight, and um, Arrow shot Flash in the leg with an arrow when he was training him. Um, mm. There was the kind of Legends of Tomorrow tee up this season where they got together to uh, fight yeah. Vandal Savage. There was also, uh, for me, a really... I don't think it was a full crossover, but when Oliver showed up on the Flash to kind of help him out um, to fight Reverse Flash, it was kind of... You kind of got Firestorm, Flash and Arrow all teaming up to take on Reverse Flash towards mm. the end of the first series. That really worked for me. Um, I thought that was a really Just- good moment. Just looking at it, I th- I believe that, and this this is kind of relevant as to why I can't I can't really remember, but I think I watched in season one. I think I watched Flash versus Arrow, and then I think I did watch the the Brave and the Bold episode of Arrow, or maybe mm. I didn't. That's the thing. And then in season two, I definitely didn't watch an Arrow episode. Basically, my my point is is that I. Or did I watch Legends? Hang on, what's let me let me just I'm just reading the description of Legends of Yesterday. Um, I don't think you did. Yeah, I don't. I don't it. think I did. Um, this is this is kind of my point. I have tended not to watch the other parts of the crossover, and it is a bit like reading a crossover in a comic. I and this is my point. I kind of think they've done the crossovers reasonably well in that I don't feel mm. like I've missed loads by only sticking with the Flash. So, I feel like when they brought the Arrow characters in, certainly the first time, second time I think I seem to remember having a bit of a moment of hang on who are all these people they weren't in it last time I saw them mm. but certainly the first time I think they did a good enough job of explaining who people were I think it probably helped in in that season one that you had Felicity coming in and she was great and her chemistry with Barry was so great that that helped to carry a lot of that along um, but mm. So I think, I know that they've had some criticism for them, but as someone just watching Flash, and as someone who I think understands generally how crossovers work in comics, I've tended to get on okay with them. I've I've just tended to go, okay, there's other stuff going on here, but the stuff that's relevant to this show, um, you know, I'd probably still rather that they weren't happening as a diversion away from the ongoing plot of this show, but I haven't felt like they've compromised it too much. I do remember Joe getting a little bit, sort of what's going on here who are these characters this story isn't relevant so maybe if you're not as used to the idea of another story coming and butting in like you would be if you read comics Mm. then maybe it's more of a problem but i i think 
I certainly think it's been the most kind of accurate representation on the screen of what it's like to be reading a comic when a crossover happens. Yeah. You know, uh, like for both good and bad. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the good elements and the bad elements are very like what the good elements and bad elements are when it happens in a comic. Yeah. And it's like I say, I think sometimes it's nice, like when you go, oh, well, wouldn't he call his other mate who's a superhero right now? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Oliver's here at the moment that he needs him and um, it's I, I think it's probably a little bit more difficult for Arrow to do that because Barry is so obviously has mm. such a stronger power set than well it's Arrow a, it's does. a similar thing with you know if you I mean as, as great I mean given what we've now heard about Superman it, it doesn't seem likely that that Supergirl will just exist in the same universe but if Supergirl did exist in the same universe then the idea of Zoom coming to Central City and saying I'm going to take over this city and then I'm going to take over the world would be the most laughable thing because if you're in a world with Superman in it then Zoom is not going to take over the world mm. you know but, but from the other point of view so but you can you can put Barry into Supergirl because yeah his his power set they kind of he's powerful enough to operate and have some influence there but he's not going to completely mm. break the logic exactly and, yeah. and i think sometimes it can work nice with the smaller characters as well i mean cisco turned up on an episode of arrow and kind of i don't know whether it showed up on the flash as well where he got like a signed photo of him with black canary in costume and it was oh, right. it was a delightful moment but then you can kind of get the other side of things where diggle turned up on an episode of arrow this season where i think it was a killer shark episode and he didn't do anything and you were like oh, I guess if you're going to do this oh, yeah, give I them something yeah. to do yeah. um, and I think that can happen both ways but it's you know probably same as we see with the Marvel movies there are some good points and there are some bad points to having a shared universe and it's it's what you make of it I think mm. just, just before we wrap this up I mean we've mentioned kind of on a previous podcast what we're hoping to see at least at the start of next season on The Flash after he has created that flashpoint moment um but do you, do you have any other hopes for the flash or the extended flash arrow supergirl legends of tomorrow universe as we move forward now towards a third season for the flash and further seasons of those other shows um well i'm disappointed that they've cast superman and it is neither brandon routh nor john Hamm, oh, i should have been john Hamm. shame Really should have been John Hamm. That was the perfect time to do the guy, it. But the guy looks, probably couldn't afford it. The guy looks quite good, though, Seth. I think he he looks... Yeah. I don't know what he is, he's like as an actor, but he looks quite good. Mm. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, I, I still need to catch up on Supergirl, and I still need to decide if I'm going to get into Legends of Tomorrow or not. I've, at the moment, I'm maybe veering towards not what i've heard doesn't make me think that i'll want a full if it was like if it was like agent carter and it was like a 10 episode thing in the middle mm. i might give it a shot but i don't know if i can commit to a, like a 22 episode season hey, of, Seb, of that sounds so. to me like a four-part crossover at the start of next season might be a good <laughs> idea like this might be a jumping on point for Could any be. of these other three shows and it depends what they do with Green Arrow. I mean, I'm in a bit of a Green Arrow mood because of how good the Green Arrow Rebirth comics have been. So, you know, I wouldn't be averse to... If, if Ollie is anything like that, him turning up could be good. Read them um, digitally. Flash, Don't just... read them in print. That's my advice <laughs> to you. Bloody ads. Yeah, you're, you're learning about this. Listen, I've been reading print comics with adverts in for 30 oh, years. So absolutely. I'm already aware it, how, much, how digital stripping them out is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Um yeah, for Flash, I mean, I just hope it continues being as good as it has been. Um, I would like more alternate universe stuff. I would like to see more 
um, exploration of different versions of the Flash and, and the Flash legacy. And, you know, like, I hope that that's not the last we see of, of the idea of Jay Garrick, for example. Um, obviously, Wally's going to have powers and Jesse's going to have powers because they got them in that moment where we saw them struck by lightning. Yeah. So I would be very surprised if Wally is not Kid Flash by the end of season three. Yes. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't by the end of season two. It's the one, one of the few areas where the show has shown, like, some restraint in terms of plotting yeah. forward. Although, and I very think my, unsubtle sorry, go when it comes to Wally. Oh, I just love speed. Love speed. Speed <laughs> is what I love. Hmm, I wonder whether he will become fast. <laughs> and I think above all else, my main hope is that uh, whatever Tom Kavanagh is doing, I hope it's not just another reset of Wells. I, I want the development of Earth 2 Harrison Wells to continue into Season 3. I, wa- I want to see that version of the character in Season 3. Here's, here's uh, what I want Rather than just another I want one. original Harrison Wells, i.e. original, original Harrison Wells for the first three or four episodes of Season 3. I then want us to revert back to a kind of standardish timeline where Earth 2 Harrison Wells does return but that there is also a second version of Harrison <laughs> Wells because I can't like, that's the only thing I can think that improves things is that we get we it's get more Tom Kavanagh. Yes, and him <laughs> doing two different performances in every episode. Basically make Tom Kavanagh the Tatiana Maslany of the Flash <laughs> and nothing could make yeah. me happier. Because he could do it as well. He could absolutely do it. And also that contractually, each version of that character has to say, run, Barry, run, at least once an episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one more thing. Even though I haven't caught up with Supergirl yet, um, given that Supergirl is bringing in Maggie Sawyer, um, I have one other hope, which is that Maggie Sawyer is played by Jane Lynch. I I know I've already said I want Jane Lynch to be the female J. Jonah Jameson, which isn't (laughs) going to happen, but there is not a character that is more perfectly suited to being played by Jane Lynch than Maggie Sawyer. Um, who she was originally from Superman comics from John Byrne's run in the late 80s you may have I don't know if you know she probably didn't show up in Man of Steel so you probably haven't read that but she showed up pretty soon in early in the run that followed that Um, and she's head of the Metropolis Special Crimes Unit which basically deals with like meta crime stuff um, and she's just basically this brilliant, chain-smoking, hard-ass lesbian police um, captain, I think she is, to start with. Um, she's such a good character. She then moved over into Batman comics in the kind of 2000s. She was in Gotham Central, which is a fantastic series. And she was, for quite a while, she was the partner of Kate Kane, Batwoman. Uh, I think they split them up quite so recently. Say, this character sounds um, like she could work on any one of the Arrow well, I re- shows. She does seem like someone who they could move around between yeah. shows quite happily. But um, I, I feel like, given the problems that they're going to have with not being able to have um, uh, Callista Flockhart all the way through the season... Um, I hope that that Maggie's going to be quite significant and that she will fill the space left when Callista Flockhart's not in it. Um, and, you know, they need to get that casting right because she can be absolutely fantastic. And as I say, I just I cannot see anybody other than Jane Lynch playing that role. It's, it's, it's so obvious it's almost a cliched thing to do, but really she would just fit it so perfectly. So they didn't listen to me about John Hamm. Um, I hope they <laughs> listen to me about this instead. <laughs> they're not going to, though, Seb, because then they're going to cast her a lot younger, surely. That's, that's, yeah. that's what these shows do. <laughs> like, we were never going to yeah. get anyone as old as John Hamm playing Superman. Um, And just on a final note, the one thing that I would like to see more of on The Flash, and it's wonderful when they find an excuse to do this, and particularly I'm hoping the next time that Flash and Supergirl cross over, is more singing. Because (laughs) Jesse L. Martin singing this season 
was great. Um, in the first season, drunk Caitlin and Barry going to a bar and doing karaoke. Grant Gustin being a guy that before this was best known for Glee. Melissa Benoist before this <laughs> being someone best known for Glee. Let's have them singing together because it's delightful whenever they find an excuse. <laughs> and I, and I actually, since you mentioned it, I don't think we talked about Caitlin and Danielle Panabaker very much, but I think Danielle Panabaker is, is really great. And again, is really good at being one of the kind of character and kind of hearts of the show. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes, because I think she tends to get overshadowed by other people, I don't think she gets a lot of credit for for being really great in it I've, and a really likeable character. I've got to be honest, I would, I was totally on board with that. I have found that the better that Iris has got, the worse that Caitlin has got, um, especially all the stuff with her getting tangled up with Jay at the back half of this season mm. and the kidnapping. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't miss her when she was gone for those few episodes. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's, it's kind of like Grant Gustin is incredible. Um, I think Cisco is just a really fun well-written character with a really fun, light, frothy performance coming there as well. And obviously, um, Harrison Wells. I mean, Caitlin falls quite low down the ladder for me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I don't, I don't dislike her. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's like for a character who isn't one of the best characters in the show, for her to still be as pretty good as she is, I think is, I think is a mark of how good the characters yeah, if, are generally. If you stuck show. her into Arrow next season, she'd probably like start off as maybe my second favorite. So that, that, mm. you know, probably, <laughs> probably speaks <Yeah>. volumes there. <laughs> um, but yeah, the flash is fantastic and we will we will draw our show to a close there. I'm sure you will hear us raving about the flash repeatedly in the future. Um, but that's it for this bonus episode. We will be back in a week's time with our Kingsman the Secret Service episode. And a very special guest. Oh yeah, with a very special guest. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.